This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Hi, everybody. You can't see it, but Carrie's looking like Eminem in 8 Mile right now. I'm Montclair's Eminem. We have got a great show for you today. First, we're asking, can friendships survive babies? I think the answer is no. I think so, too. Spoiler alert. Then, we're playing a little game of guess how many babies that breeder has. I love guessing games. It's my deep love of The Price is Right. I know. We're going to play that rousing game of guess how many babies that breeder has. As always, we have our hashtag swag bag, but up next, take it away, small child. My tits are, tomorrow's my birthday. My shits are, I didn't think about it until yesterday. When I was little, it'd be like, four days until my birthday. Also, Matt's turning 40 on Saturday. There's all kinds of plans and secret plans and buying pills so that he's not hung over the next day so he can actually function. All different kinds of things. But even last year when I wasn't planning a big birthday, it was like this. Hopefully I get the purse I've been wanting. From where? Songmont. It's a smaller leather brand. I really want to show you your gift on camera right now. I mean, that's up to you. I don't know. Hold on, hold on. Okay, so this is just one of your gifts. You ready? Yeah. I tried to buy it for you last year. It was sold out. (gasps) Guys, it's an ashtray that has Mary-Kate and Ashley smoking on it, and it says Mary-Kate and Ashtray. (laughs) I love that. That is a great gift. Thank you, friend. You know my love of the Olsons. I have their coffee table book in my closet. That's the one I'm the most proud of, but there's others, too. What are your tits and shit? friend? My tits are, I somehow managed to get ahead of things. I don't know how that happened. I think that I thought things were due last week at school and they were actually due this week. Last week I was like, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. But then this week with mom Taraj, I was ahead of things and with school, I was ahead of things and with Luna's stuff, I was ahead of things. And I just was left with this feeling of being like, I'm a superhuman, but also the shits where I was like, am I missing something? Because I couldn't possibly imagine that I was ahead. Yesterday alone, I had three different things that were due for mom trash that I had to get out. So while I was getting my hair colored, I'm sitting there on my laptop banging out a proposal for most talkative, banging out, editing the jaded AF video for Instagram, getting the go RVing finished video. I love the feeling of productivity. And I know we're not supposed to judge ourselves by productivity, but man, I do love it. Listen, it's Virgo season. Maybe that's why. This episode is brought to you by Saks.com. At Saks.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. 
We're going to start off with an article from The Cut called Adorable Little Detonators. Our friendships survive bad dates, illness, marriage, fights. Why can't it survive your baby? We've talked about this before. It was one of the first things we ever talked about on Scary Mommy together because I was in the thick of losing friends when we started Scary Mommy. Same. I thought it would be fun with this resurgence of this article to cover this again because I thought this article was particularly interesting because the person who wrote it, they don't have a child, and they interviewed people who do and people who don't. So they're talking to somebody who went to visit friends in New York who all had kids. And they said, all we did was go to playgrounds. My whole photo reel is just pictures of me with different kids at the playground. She and her husband decided next time they go to New York, they'll cough up the money for a hotel. We're going to make our plans. And if people would like to get sitters and meet us out, great. Otherwise, sorry. That's how it starts off is this one story about this one person. It goes into that more than marriage, more than a new job, more than moving across the country, I think there is nothing that represents more of a challenge or a threat to adult friendships than parenthood. It's the only thing that is permanent and time-bound. It has fundamentally shifted my relationships. In 2017, the journal Demographic Research published a study out of the Netherlands that looked at how the age at which parents had a baby impacted their personal relationships. So in probing that question, researchers concluded that across the board, the strength and quality of friendships typically decreases after people become parents and that most of the quality degradation occurs around when the child is three during the year that the kids needs are the most demanding on their parents time and energy which we can all confirm right a baby is needy in its own way but a three-year-old is attention needy in a different way a baby's a little bit more like an accessory you can bring it to places and no one's offended yes when sebastian was a baby i brought him everywhere i would wear him everywhere not a problem but at three then they're running around they're screaming They're not an accessory. They're their own thing. Right. And then you get into that point in time where it's like we're having a conversation interjected with Sebastian. Don't do that. Or Luna, get that out of your mouth. My friends that don't have kids, when I try to do that with them, they're like, are you talking to me? Are you talking to your kid? I'm like, come on, fast track. Focus. Pay attention. We're having two conversations. I don't want to wipe your ass. I want to wipe my kid's ass. Hello. Right. (laughs) Friends might drift away during this era, but friendships come back. It might take six months or three years or a decade, but babies eventually become kids and parents stumble out of those dark days with a restored freedom to commit to their social lives. One of the mantrage ethos is that you are an autonomous, self-contained individual before you had a child and that does not need to change because you have a child. Obviously, some change is going to happen, but who you are doesn't have to change. Right. So the dilemma facing friends with kids and friends without them isn't so much if they'll ever have the time to meet up at a bar for happy hour. It's whether all those years of being busy and disconnected have messed up their friendship so much that nobody will want to go. While one friend veers off into colic and diapers, navigating the way a new child gives new meaning to their sense of self while simultaneously taking a wrecking ball to it, to their ownership of their bodies, their sleep schedule, and their understanding of their careers, the other childless friend is, yes, dealing with their own wrecking balls, partnering up, divorcing, trying to have children, deciding never to have children, but is otherwise living in a fairly unaltered state. So some of the ways friendship changes in this life stage is just being in your 30s. So even if you haven't had kids, for example, Carrie, you didn't have kids until you were 40, but you still were going through a change of being in your 30s, right? So friends are already disappearing from dinner parties and birthdays and day trips and concerts. The whole like, I've had a shitty week, can I come sit on your couch and eat takeout type of evenings. There are so many big events besides having children that make you less available to friends, like relationships, career change 
changes, getting sober, moving cities, caring for aging parents, finances. But once the babies are here and we try to make plans, there's this sense of superiority. I guess the author is claiming that as a childless person, they kind of get this tinge of superiority that they imagine in unapologetic assumptions that everything operates on their schedule, which I think it's true. And we sort of talked about that a little bit with the job thing last week, where it's like, should the person who has kids be able to take off at the job? So it's like that superiority of like, well, I have the more important priority. Right. It kind of becomes childless versus with child. So on one side, people with kids are frazzled, distracted, boring, rigid, covered in spit up, can't talk about movies, only how they wish they had time to see them. And on the other hand is people without kids who are self-absorbed entitled attention hordes grumpy about life's inconveniences even though their life is easy obviously those are generalizations written by the author I would add a third category people with kids who are less structured because I have some of my friends people with kids that are like this is the eating and nap schedule so we can't do anything and I was always like I'm just gonna roll with it I was always like I know it's not or not but we'll figure it out I don't know I wanted to maintain the ability to do things when they're young enough they can nap on the go the Netherlands or Sweden they put their babies in a stroller outside while they're inside so that they could get fresh air to sleep. I'd be worried my kid would be kidnapped, but otherwise that sounds like a great situation. Thursday night, something's going to start at seven and it's like a one hour thing. I want Luna to see it because it's a special event. Yeah, her bedtime's normally seven and I'm sure Friday will suck, but we're going to do it because I'm not rigid about that stuff. That's my philosophy. I want my kid to be able to roll with the punches and I want to be able to experience things and I want her to be able to experience things. Agreed. Lee and I always talk about parents that can roll with it and parents that can't. I know that they're not the best example nowadays, but I always think about Brad and Angelina and their army of children, how those kids were jet setting, probably went to multiple different schools, probably had a teacher that traveled with them. Obviously, that's a very different place to be in in life than most of us because we don't have that kind of money. But I think there is power to teaching your kids to adapt and roll with it. So the author starts talking to a new mother and they're saying that new motherhood is psychological hormonal filled with all these different emotions like ambivalence joy love frustration fatigue grief we all relate to that and new experiences and it's not surprising that you'll need new friends who understand you who will say what can I do to help or hey let me get that for you they don't even have to ask what do you need it's just like I see you stumbling let me open that door or the baby's crying while you're making lunch go deal with the baby I'll finish making the salad whatever kind of example And in the specific instance, they were saying they can't rely on their friends that don't have children because they don't know to just step in in those situations because they haven't been in them. Right. It's just like a little weird secret language. Yes. And then there's mothers like this that prefer to keep their kids totally separate from their social life. The perfect blend is to leave the kids out of the picture when I'm with friends who don't have kids. We don't really talk about them. Doesn't invite them to hang out with her children except for the people that she's closest to. So for her, the siloing isn't for burrowing deeper into her parents' side, but for maintaining her sense of self. She also has a husband who's willing to negotiate those nights, and they have the means to hire a sitter regularly, which of course helps. That's a commitment to a lifestyle that only few can pull off, and it comes by hiding herself from some of her friends. I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle of that. Me too. I don't not talk about my kid, but I try to be like, no, this is just you and me time, and I can't do it all the time because it is pricey and it does involve a different kind of commitment, but I still talk about my kid, but I try to give those friends one-on-one attention without my kid involved. I'm not going to sit here and say that I do it for my friends. Honestly, I'm more selfish than that. When 
I go and socialize without Sebastian, it's not for the other people. It's for me. I need it. I totally agree. A lot of it's for me. I want to have some of those nights where I'm forgetting I have a kid for a little bit. Exactly. So the same way parent friends report suspecting that they aren't invited to a lot of nights out that they would like to be included in, people worry that they're being excluded by reason of no kids and resent the idea that friends with kids would prefer to vacation without me. Yeah. They gave an example in the article of a man who was like, I went on vacation with my newborn and a bunch of friends who didn't have kids and I'm out at the beach at eight o'clock because the kid has a nap at a certain time. My friends are still sleeping and then they wake up and want to have breakfast and they wonder why I'm rushing them. It just isn't conducive unless both parties are willing to just roll with the punches. Every time we go somewhere with Lee's family, like Lee's dad and Lee's sister and her wife, we have this conversation. I'm always like, hey, I know y'all eat at eight. That's not going to happen. If there's something that you really want to eat at eight for, you got to let me know because then I'll feed my kid, eat an appetizer and then put her to bed in a stroller and then I can eat dinner later. It's not going to be like what you imagine in your mind. I can modify, but we just have to keep that into consideration, guys. Even now with Sebastian being six, we can come to the dinner. He might have some snackies and stuff, but I still have to feed him. So all you're really doing is making double the work for me. And I'm probably going to have like a kid laying on me while I'm trying to eat. There's no consideration for you in all of that because no one else is going to take that responsibility. It's just going to be on you. Right. Basically, the solution that the author offers is it doesn't sound revolutionary to suggest that the key to maintaining your friendships through the hurricane of early parenthood is simply to do the hard slog of communicating and committing, but it actually is. We're not conditioned to put the same amount of effort into friendships as we do other relationships. I'm a firm believer that the bestest of friends, I call them beaches style friends, that's a reference to a movie, guys. If you need to explain it, it's beaches, okay? I feel like my beach friends, they all had kids before me and our relationship was great. You also were a nanny, which I wonder if that plays a part. I was just going to say, I have always been really good with kids and I was a nanny and I think that I was one of those childless single friends that was real good at kids and enjoyed being around them. And so I like to think I took some of the weight off of that and I was always very thoughtful. Be like, hey, do you need to meet earlier? I'll come to you. You have a kid. Next tier down, which is super, super close friends, but not beaches friends. I like to think that it'll come back around. Which the article says it very likely will. I don't even know if I have shared this experience on the podcast. I had a friend that I was really devastated about. She was a very close friend. She is, but at the time we lost contact and kind of got into a fight, but it was sort of a passive aggressive fight because no one wanted to talk about it. And we didn't speak for like two years. And then I noticed that she was posting about being sick and I reached out and she had mentioned that she was diagnosed with cancer and now we're friends again. We joked about it. I was like, really? It takes you getting cancer to return a phone call? Which is kind of shitty. It's kind of like, well, when I needed you because I was going through a phase, you weren't there for me. Not a phase, when I was going through a hardship, which is new motherhood, right? That is a hardship. Yes, that was one way that I looked at it, for sure. But I also realized that there are different things that make us grow up in life. Yes. Having a kid makes you grow up. That's a great perspective. And having cancer also does. And having cancer. And sometimes when you have these huge life things, it puts things in perspective. Yeah. Before kids, it was easier 
easier for me to be a petty bitch about things. But now I just don't have the time to always be a petty bitch. And so I'm just like, life's too short. We're going to fix this or not. I don't have the energy to put extra thought into it. And I think that that's what cancer did for her in a way. And so I'm really thankful for that friendship. I didn't trust it would come back and it did. And so I'm here to say that it possibly can. But I do sometimes think it takes a life circumstance that really rattles you. It could be the death of a parent. I think there are just some things that are neutralizers. Doesn't always have to be a child. I have so many mixed feelings personally because I myself was never really into children. I was the first one of my friends to have a kid. So I don't really know what I would have been like. I can't imagine I would have been like, ew, no, I'm not going to your kid's birthday party. I probably would have gone. Who was the most consistent friend to you when you had a kid before everybody else that was childless but understood? Danny, nothing changed our friendship with Danny. Zach, same. Zach is Sebastian's godfather and calls him on his birthday and they have their own little relationship. But I think about my friend Jake, who just got married. Jake was the partier since eighth grade. He has consistently been a party guy. And he and his wife, I don't know if they have plans to have children or not, but since I've had Sebastian, I don't see him as much. I still love him as much. I don't have any resentment whatsoever. Just the kind of hanging out that we used to do is not conducive to having a kid. I can't go out at 10 o'clock at night. I can't be at a club till four in the morning. I mean, even without a kid, I couldn't do that now. (laughs) Right. I'm too old. I wouldn't want to do it, to be honest. I just don't have any interest. The other day he texted me and he's like, yeah, when are we hanging out? And I said, look, dude, it's hard. It's hard to make time for these things. And he was like, yeah, don't work too hard. And what I wanted to say is, do you know what the honest answer is? January. Because between my child and all other work commitments and just life in general, I'm not going to have a down moment till January. But you can't say that. It's not a good look. And in the same token, we have friends who have preteen, teen kids. We all get together. We bring our kids. We hang out. But now the preteen, teen kids want to hang out with the adults instead of hanging out with the kids. Ew. Yeah, and I'm not loving that. It has nothing to do with the kids. But it's like, look, I brought my kid here to play with other kids so I can go do grown-up stuff. And now I feel like I can't do grown-up stuff because there's teenagers around. And I am not into that. Plus, those teenagers are going to put you on TikTok and make a jerk of you. No, these won't. But there is an air of judgment, which I think is natural for a teenager. I would have been a judgmental little 13-year-old also. Actually, I wouldn't have been the judgmental one. My parents would have parties, people would be drunk, and I would hang out with everybody. In a positive note, my sister and I had kind of a strained relationship growing up. And she had kids before me. And it's continuing to have kids after me, but she started before me. And once I had a kid, it changed our dynamic because I've always been such the older sister, being 14 years older than her. Now she got to be the expert. She got to be the expert and it shifted our relationship. We were starting to get to know each other better as adults, starting that new found friendship and sisterly stuff. But me having kids changed the dynamic in a way that sped up because I think my sister could feel a sense of stepping into a role that was more even. Yeah. Having kids helped that. It's really interesting. I feel like this is a conversation you can have 6,000 different times in different ways. We had it originally as new moms and now we're having it as more seasoned moms. I have a former best friend. We were together through every breakup, through every boyfriend, through every crying spell. And as soon as I had a baby, there was no interest. And now she's getting married and I'm not going to the wedding because I just, I don't want to. Oh, I'm glad you've decided that 
because I was like, yeah, I wouldn't go. People don't have to be in your life your whole life. No one's out here saying that. People come into your life for seasons. There are some people that will be there forever. And there are some people that are just there for seasons. And being able to accept that, I think, is pretty important. Elon Musk wants birth rates to increase globally, but he believes that only people of a certain level of intelligence should reproduce. I believe this is like Hitler. Yes, and also smart, like the guy who bought Twitter, significantly overvalued, and then has basically killed it. You know, smart. He really wants smart people to have kids, says Siobhan Zillis, who shares twins with the tech mogul, shared in an excerpt from his upcoming self-titled biography obtained by the New York Times. The Tesla CEO, 52, is no stranger to voicing his own opinions on procreation. He says, quote, I'm doing my best to help the underpopulation crisis. Is it a crisis? A collapsing birth rate is the biggest danger civilization faces by far. This time he claimed that low birth rates were a much bigger risk to civilization than global warming. Girl, you crazy. Walter Isaacson, the author of Musk's forthcoming biography, revealed the tech mogul offered to, quote, donate his sperm to the neural link executive so that the kids would be genetically his. Now, that is an excerpt from page six. I guess we should call this hot goss. Guess how many kids the celebrity breeder has. This kind of kicked off a fun game for me of how many kids do the most breeders have. I think it's interesting because Elon Musk is obviously delusional, very conservative leaning and delusional and out of his fucking mind. But he's obviously very conservative leaning. And one of the suggested reasons that I personally believe to be true that they overturned Roe versus Wade is not so much so that women can't have autonomy over their body, which, yes, I think that's a huge part of it, but also because we are facing an underpopulation situation. Because people are less likely to have children because of global warming, because of the state of politics, because of finances, because we can't even afford to rent or own in the city we work in, they are fearful for what that holds for the future. However, that's not fun, so let's guess how many kids each of these celebrity breeders has. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. First stop, Carrie. Yes. Elon Musk. Mr. Smart Sperm himself. Seven. Eleven. What? Yes. I want to also preface this by saying breeders, meaning they have more than five children. We know people in real life who have five. And although we do feel that is breedery, it was too long that way. Okay. Wow. Nick Cannon. Oh, boy. And there is one person on this list who's going to beat Nick Cannon. Twelve. Spot on, my friend. There you go. Ding, 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 ding. How about Madonna? Five. Six. Oh, one slipped in there. I didn't realize. I think she adopted one after Guy Ritchie or two after Guy. I don't know. Okay. She has Lourdes. Doesn't she have one with Guy Ritchie who doesn't talk to her anymore? She had one or two with Guy Ritchie. One. And then I guess she adopted the rest. I think she adopted two with Guy Ritchie and one by herself. Eddie... Murphy. Oh. Lucky 13? No, less, actually. Oh, okay. Eight. Ten. Oh, boy. Eddie. With the same women, that's what I really need to see. Elon Musk's 11 kids, I think, are only from three different women. Oh, here's one that I think they're all from the same woman. Taylor Hansen. I don't even know who that is. From Hansen. Oh. I think Taylor was the main one. Ten. Six. James Vanderbeek was going to be on this list, but I eliminated people with five children. His are with the same person, too. Right. I knew he had a lot of kids. But five is much different than 12. I mean, is it? I guess it is. Diddy. Oh, God, Diddy. And Diddy's supposed to be Right. Allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. And also allegedly Justin Bieber. Yeah. Did he eight? 
Six. Okay, God, I'm just going high now. Here's one. Only two baby mamas for this one. Okay. Alec Baldwin. He has baby mamas. He has Kim Basinger. Not bad. Not bad at all. That's just one. That's just the one. And, and then, then Hilaria. Hilaria. Six. So is it seven kids? Close. Eight. Eight. Oof. She just had another one. You could say that about her anytime. She just had another one. These might not even be totally up to date. At one point, one list said Elon Musk had six, and then I Googled it and was like, nope, 11. They're breeding as we speak. <laughs> They're just jizzing all over the place, and whatever ovary takes it, takes it. Here's one you didn't see coming. Dog the Bounty Hunter. Oh, I did not see that coming <laughs> for so many <laughs> I mean, three were on the show. I can't even believe you know that, because I didn't know that. Three were on the show. Show, let's say uh five. No, six. Twelve. What? Dog the bounty hunter thought that the world needed twelve other people with his DNA. He's bounty hunting some booty. Rod Stewart. If you want my body. And one of his children had a baby with Benicio del Toro. Crazy. Right, Kimberly, right? Right. Former best friend of Paris. Former, former something. Okay. We'll say six. Oh, God, Rod's been getting busy. Okay, this one might be my favorite. There's an answer, but then there's a second answer. (laughs) And the father is... Right, kind of. Future. Seven. Yes. Oh. Or eight, because there is a woman (laughs) claiming he is the father of her child, but he's not owning up to it. So literally said seven or eight. (laughs) I love that. It could go a bunch of ways. There could be two winners there. Here's the only other woman on the list, Lauren Hill. God. Notice all of these people, or most of these people, play in the crazy pond. Yeah. There's very few people on this list that I could be like, oh, that's a sane person. Taylor Hansen is the only one I'm leaning towards here that might be sane. The rest of them, I think, are fucking nuts, and not because of their child choices, just their life choices. One time, I went to go see Lauren Hill, and she canceled, but we didn't get our money back because she just never showed up. She's incredibly talented, but nope. Lauren Hill. Oh, Lord. I don't know because she's been in hiding kind of. She has six. Oh, wow. Same as Madonna, the only other woman on the list. Tori Spelling almost made it with her five. Oh, God. Tori Spelling. Here's one I also didn't realize. He beats everybody on this list. Who? DMX. Y'all make me lose my mind. Oh, yeah. You know why he was losing his mind? Because of the amount of children he has. Wait till you hear. Nine kids. May he rest in peace. DMX was the father of 17 children. Holy Cheslaw, what? I mean, I hope he saves some money because each kid's going to get like 200 bucks in their inheritance. I wonder how many moms. 11 different women. Life on the road, man. And lastly, I think he is the most famous of the breeders in an older generation. You know, not the Nick Cannon generation. Okay, okay, okay. George Foreman. Oh, and they're all named George. Mostly. There are a couple of girls not named George, but there are also girls named George. As one does. Can you imagine being one of the girls that was named George? I'd be so pissed. I'd be like, really? Um, 10. 12. Now he's got that good George Foreman grill money. So those kids might actually make something. My mom watched some documentary or some film about him. Apparently he had lost all his money before the Foreman grill came into picture. And then he got it back. Two of his children are adopted. Okay, well that's nice. That concludes today's rendition of Hot Goss. How many babies does that breeder have? How many babies? How much sperm? Are you good at keeping a baby alive? If I was stuck in a room with all those people, 
I'd be wearing a raincoat. I'd look like the Gordon's fisherman. I would just be ducking jizz all over the place. Even if there was nothing out, I'd just be like, ah, ah, get away. No, no. I wonder if they could make me unmenopausal. Forget all of the things Suzanne Summers has taught us. You just need to be in a room with the top five breeders. Maybe the ghost of DMX can come impregnate me. Right. He's like, I'm going to get up in here. Uh, yeah. You want me fertile again? Hashtag swag bag. You go first, Bubba. Last time I brought up this brand, Carrie made fun of the name, rightfully so, but I have bought so much more from the brand, and the brand is Beauty Pie. So what Beauty Pie does is you pay a membership, and they basically, I guess, white label products from the same factories other things are made of. Nothing comes from the United States. Everything is from Sweden or France or Korea, and I have bought so much of their stuff at this point and love everything. Everything I have bought, I have loved except for one lipstick. And you have to have a membership, right? Yeah, but here's the thing. I got the membership for free and I'm assuming other people will too. It's a $59 membership, but I bought that under eye brightener, which I love, and they sent me the membership for free. And so I've been ordering other stuff since. Okay. There's so many different items. This is the one I'm going to go with though. The Super Healthy Skin Amazing Sleep Oil. So when I go to sleep at night, I like to put an oil on my face to seal off all the other things that I've already put on there to really deep deeply moisturized and I really have been seeing a lot of change in my skin in the best way and I think it's an amalgamation of other products but every night I seal it in with this Beauty Pie Super Healthy Skin Amazing Sleep Oil. It smells like rose. I don't know if you would like it because you're weird about smells. I really love the smell of it. I find it very soothing. With the membership, it's $27. Oh, that's great. Without it, it's $100. There's so many things under $20. Jenna Lyons has done a makeup collab with them, which is unfortunately the lipstick I bought that I don't love. It's just not a great color on me. Buying lipstick online is tricky. I really like Beauty Pie. This product is from Switzerland. Your skin just looks so plump from it, and it's really well-priced. I mean, I think that last order I did from them was like eight or nine products, and it was like $160. Wow, okay. Maybe I'll be a believer. I'll tell you this one other thing. This eyeshadow quad, I think it's from the same factory as Charlotte Tilbury. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. Beautiful, incredible colors. The Deluxe Eyeshadow Quad in Smoky Rose, made in Italy, a soft pink peach, two sparkly colors, a brown one, $18 with the membership, $50 without it. Okay, cutie pie, beauty pie, I might give you a try. Everything, so good. A hair oil, all of it. Love that. I'll go makeup too, since you've inspired me, which is the Patrick Ta blush. The baby doll or whatever it's called. I got the hottest pink one there is. People swear by it. I love when he does it on TikTok. I got the scariest looking one. Yes, it's the one he puts on all the people he does their makeup on TikTok and I think it looks so beautiful on. It just woke up my whole face. It did not look crazy at all. She's a doll is the one that I did. But it's expensive, right? Yeah, but you know what? I've had the same blushes for 175 years. I know, me too. And I'm just trying to streamline and get rid of stuff because I keep saving it being like, I'll use this for something or maybe I won't. My face can look kind of muddy. I am quite pale and I think the color on a paler person actually looks best. I agree. 
it gives me vibes of like, I'm in Little Women and I'm in a bodice and I have a healthy glow. A little bit of frostbite, a little touch of I was out in the snow. I had a fever from consumption last year. Exactly. You don't need anything else. I keep adding stuff because something isn't right. So then I keep adding and the next thing I know, I've just gone too much of everything. But this, I've been putting my blush on first. Usually I always do my eyeshadow, but I've been putting blush on and then adjusting my eyeshadow based on that. I have had this MAC blush for 15 fucking years at this point. I'm the one. It's so like Barbie pink and it doesn't go on like that. So I think I'm going to buy the Patrick Ta because I'm all about a blush. The Patrick Ta is next level. And he does the cream with the powder on top. He has so many videos of how to do it. I've been toying with, should I buy this? As I get older, my makeup needs change. I used to be able to wear hardly any blush and look okay, but I definitely now with my face aging a little bit, I need more blush. Makes sense. I've always been a blush person, even when we've gone through phases where blush isn't cool. And I always like a bright blush because I just think it does so much for my coloring. It wakes up my face. I'm sold. I love it. Well, guys, that's today's show. We love you so much. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at Mama Drama Band or MamadramaBand.com. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.